welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning. Welcome to episode 236 of the podcast. This is so many episodes. <laughs> it's Jessica. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I have a powerhouse of an episode for you. My guest today is Jessica Lamb. You might know her better as Skip to My Luca on Instagram, where she shares parenting strategies specifically targeting parents of children with disabilities or special needs. She is an extraordinary mom of two. She's also a special education teacher. And so I love how she pairs background knowledge and academic learning and proven scientific practices with empathy, compassion, and with realistic application in her own home as her first son, Luca, suffered a brain injury shortly after birth, which left him with a lot of cognitive disabilities, and she is implementing literally everything she teaches in her classroom in her own home as well. She is wise beyond her years, and everything that comes out of her mouth, I'm just like, yes, tell me more. So whether you're a parent of a child with special needs, or you're like me, and you just want more understanding, she is your go-to resource. And today we're going to talk about her motherhood journey and positive parenting. You know, it's a topic I feel passionate about, and I can't wait for you to meet Jessica today. So let's get to it with Jessica Lamb. Alrighty, I want to welcome Jessica Lamb to the show. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. I've been following you on Instagram, and I have to tell you, you probably realize what a great teacher you are because that is your profession, but the way you're able to speak not just about kids, but to parents. It is so well done and thought-provoking and actionable. And I just want to thank you for the service you're putting out online to educate parents a little more accurately. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I kind of like fell into doing that. And something that's been a big fear of mine is I never want people to think that I'm like being judgmental or that I'm coming across too strong or... um, thinking that I'm better than anyone else. So when people say that to me, it really makes me feel good because that's my goal. I just want to teach. I don't want to overpower or make anyone feel bad. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's so important to put out is that even – parenting experts like yourself um it doesn't mean because you know a lot and have a lot of this background knowledge and because you are intentional about your parenting it doesn't mean that you don't mess up and you do it perfectly all the time we're all always still learning and sometimes we revert back to our less than desirable ways in terms of you know losing patience and things but the point is that we're always trying right Absolutely, that is so true, because Mm -hmm. I am not perfect, and actually sometimes having so much knowledge and experience is harmful to me, because Mm. I shut down, like, oh no, what if I don't do this right, or, um, you know, just, it kind of creates a little more stress in my life sometimes, but I never want anyone to think I'm perfect, because 
I have mistakes and I fail every day, just like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, and it it's kind of sets this expectation like I should know better. And I feel that way sometimes just having a mom podcast. Like I should be loving motherhood every minute of the day because I'm telling everybody how awesome motherhood is. But the fact right. of the matter is like it's not easy. It's not always fun. I don't always like every aspect of it, but at the root is just such a tremendous love for my kids and an awareness of the importance of this role that that overrides everything. But it's okay to say, like, this is tough, and I don't know what to do in this situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we all do that every day, and there's good parts in the day and hard parts. And I think that just knowing that that's normal, I think, makes it so less isolating. Like, just knowing that everybody is the same way. And even though we put our best foot forward on social media or on whatever it is that we do, I think we all have those struggles. Yeah. Everyone does. That's so helpful to know. That's so helpful to remember. But then also just having this daily dose of inspiration and a parenting tip from you or from, I talk about Ralphie from Simply On Purpose a lot. I, I mean, I just love following people like you that just inspire me to just think a little harder about the intention I'm putting behind my parenting. So I'm so glad I found you. So you're Skip to My Luca online. So people might just be cluing into, oh, I knew that voice. And that is you. Yes. Um, yes, but what you. you just tell me, so you are a special education teacher. Is that right? Yes, I'm a special education teacher. I have been in the field of special education for, I think, almost 12 years now. Oh. I... Um, used to be a hairstylist actually really and I just yes I had worked as a hairstylist just maybe for two years and I started thinking that I wanted to go back to college um, but I didn't know what I was going to do and I had a family friend who had been a teacher for a really long time and she told me that the field of special education was really desperate for people and she knew that if I decided to pursue that that I could get my school paid for and it would be a really easy end for me and I wasn't convinced, but I went to observe in a classroom, a preschool classroom of um, students with disabilities, and I'm not exaggerating, five minutes in, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Wow. Like, I was hooked after five minutes. And so I worked as an assistant for a lot of years while I was working on my degrees, and I've been a teacher of my own classroom now for almost six years. Wow. Wow. And, and to walk into a classroom and say, this is where I'm supposed to be, instead of, wow, this looks way too hard and overwhelming. That's probably the sentiment that most people would have walking into a classroom like that because just the differing needs. I was an elementary school teacher and just dealing with their vast array of needs in a large classroom and everything, it's just a lot. There's a lot on a teacher's plate. I know, absolutely. And I am bored by it still to this day because I was not expecting that. I mean, I don't Mm. think there's two more opposite things that you could be doing, like doing hair and working with adults all day and being so focused on, like, beauty and appearances and then walking into a classroom like this. I mean, it was just completely different. I didn't expect to like it, Mm. but the kids just drew me in, and I just felt this feeling like this is where I'm supposed to be, and I've never felt that strongly about anything before in my life, so... Mm. Feels it was good. Feels good to know. Fate. Yeah, it's it's so it feels so good to know that you're in the right place and you're pursuing the right path. There's just such peace that Absolutely. comes from that. That is so awesome. Right. And no doubt these parents are so lucky and fortunate to have somebody that is not just doing a job, but that really, really cares. 
thank you. I I hope that they feel that too. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope that they know how much I love their kids and that they're in a good spot with me because I just treasure them so much. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Sunbasket. Do you struggle with dinner at your house? Do you struggle with getting your kids to eat what you make? Do you struggle with putting something healthy in front of them? I know that I do. Well, Sunbasket makes it easy to cook healthy, delicious meals so you and your family can eat better, feel better, skip the grocery store all at the same time as they send boxes with 30-minute recipes and organic produce delivered right to your doorstep. That's right. Sign me up. Now you can get more options than ever with Sunbasket. When you go on the Sunbasket app, you can pick from 18 weekly recipes that are really catered to various dietary restrictions like paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, family-friendly, and more. Sunbasket works with the best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh, organic produce and responsibly raised meat and seafood. So you definitely want to give Sunbasket a try if you're looking to take the stress out of mealtime. So go to sunbasket.com slash EMP today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash EMP for $35 off sunbasket.com slash EMP. Thanks, Sunbasket. And so many years into your career in special education, you went on to start your family and grow your family. Will you tell me about your first pregnancy and early motherhood for you, and tell me about Luca. Yes, absolutely. So actually, um, it was my first year of having my own classroom that I got pregnant with Luca. So I had been in the field, and I knew, you know, what I was doing in the field, but it was my first year of having my own classroom, and I was actually working on my master's degree at the time, and um, just decided now's the time for Luca. So I um, was pregnant with him while teaching, and my pregnancy with him was textbook. Like, everything was so good. I felt awesome. I felt confident. I was excited. Um, But I did have a kink in that, and it was that I, because of my background in special education, I was kind of obsessed with the thought that my own child might be born with a disability. And I was really fixated on autism. Because um, most of the students that I taught at the time had autism, and autism was really prevalent in Utah where I live, and it was just this obsession of mine. And I'm not really proud to admit it, I but I look at it now as almost a premonition. Like, mm. even though everything was normal, and even though um, I felt great and I was so excited, it's almost like I knew in the back of my mind that there was going to be something that would come up. So... Um, so going to that, I Luca was born, and the delivery was a little bit crazy, but um, nothing so extraordinarily crazy. But um, Luca stopped breathing sometime shortly after birth, and he had a full system body failure. All of his organs shut down, his kidneys, his liver, his heart, his lungs, everything shut down. And he needed resuscitation, um, intensive medical care, and um, subsequently he acquired a brain injury from that because he lost oxygen and blood flow to his brain. Wow. So all of my worrying and all of my stress and all of my obsession over having a child without a disability came true, like right in front of my eyes, and it was unexpected, but... 
I think on a really deep level, I did sense that it was coming. And did that premonition give you any sense of strength like, you know, I, this may come to pass, and if it does, I'm ready for it? Or was the worry and the hope that it wasn't going to come true more the, the prevalent feeling? Honestly, I think the more prevalent feeling was, I hope this doesn't happen to me. Mm. And I, that's a hard thing to say because, you know, I have dedicated my life to teaching students with disabilities. And one thing I have to, I really want to make clear is because I say this a lot and I use the autism as an example, and I never want to offend anybody to think that, like, there's just something so horrible about autism and that that was my biggest fear because it's so awful. That's not the case. It's just that anybody who's a parent of a child with autism knows it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. And you worry for your child. And um, autism isn't a disability that's really widely accepted in the way that, like, Down syndrome is. You know, I think people um, with Down syndrome are looked upon really positively. And they have, there's been such great advocacy work done for people with autism that they're, or excuse me, with Down syndrome, that there's a really more positive light to that. But mm. autism is sort of seen as like, ooh, autism. Yeah. And well, so and I, I think don't it's tricky. I feel that autism is a horrible, awful diagnosis to get. But it was my fear because of the struggles that come for those children and for those adults, just that they don't always get the same amount of acceptance or the same opportunities. Yeah, no, I think that's um, so, that's a great clarification, and I think it's also additionally challenging because these are otherwise people that look typical, and so I think it's really exactly. hard to garner sympathy and compassion when there's not that understanding at the park when you see an otherwise typical-looking child, you know, interacting and then behaving in a way that's not consistent with what another parent would think that child should be acting like, and so I think that yeah. may play a role in it, and you can speak to that too if you'd like. Yes, that's so true. I, they call things like that like invisible disabilities. Oh, great, where, yeah. Um, they have this disability, but you can't really see it. You know, a person with Down syndrome, typically they're going to have some physical traits that might lead you to believe that they have Down syndrome, which automatically um, is going to give you a little more patience with them, give them a little grace, or maybe give you an idea of what to expect from that person. Yes. Whereas kids who have autism are these different types of um, invisible disabilities. They don't have that. They don't have those physical characteristics. And so people expect them to act like a typical child. And they also expect their parents to be able to deal with them in the same way that they would deal with a typical child. And so yes. I think it brings a lot of judgment. I mean, um, not on purpose just, yes it just happens mm-hmm. and so that can be a really hard struggle for families who do have kids with invisible disabilities because of that because the expectations are the same for them as they would be for typically developing kids until people find out yes I think that is so important to recognize and then the next time you're at Target and you see a child melting down just give them the benefit of the doubt I mean even if it is a child that doesn't have an invisible disability, all children have needs and whether it's, you know, hap- you know, they're extra hungry or extra tired or they just lost their favorite blankie. Like 
kids just always have needs yeah. contributing to their behavior. And so just giving them a little bit more grace and compassion and understanding that their logic and their coping is far different than what we might expect from them. And we just need to give them that space. And then especially to the extent of having an invisible disability, just it's it's not helping anybody to jump to conclusions. Yes, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just I think that something that's been really amazing that's come out of Instagram and social media is that I really think that moms are, like, banding together and talking about things like this and creating this awareness that I think that in our society now, people are actually less likely to do that mom shaming and that judgment in public because I yeah. really think that Instagram is responsible for creating this sense of community between moms and giving a safe space to share things like this. And so I think that that's a really positive thing that's coming from social media. And I feel like it's almost a part of my responsibility to continue that and create that sense of awareness so that people can be aware that kids like Luca and kids like my students are out there and they may act a little bit different, but they're still deserving of respect and their parents and their moms are deserving of the utmost respect Mm. for what they do for their kids every day. Oh, I could not agree more. That is really, really well said. And so tell me, how old is Luca now? He is going to be four in just a couple of months. Oh my gosh, his blue eyes, his blue eyes are just piercing. I know. He's the most I know, darling. He doesn't get them from me. Uh, but I I love them. Yes, they are so just in, just endearing immediately. But tell me about dealing with that that brain injury that that was unexpected to some degree, and that premonition did come true that you were going to be faced with a child with a disability, and you didn't exactly know the path because it's not even like there was just a clear cut diagnosis. It was. It was just a one step at a time kind of thing, right? How did things unfold for for you and for Luca? Absolutely. So, like, early motherhood with him was a whirlwind. I mean, we had six weeks in the NICU, which is a story that I could talk about for a year straight. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anybody who spent time in the NICU knows just what a roller coaster that is. But when we came home... um, from the NICU and we had the information that his brain had been significantly injured but nobody could really tell us about that because the brain is such a complex and fascinating organ that doctors don't really know that much about the brain and so somebody could have a really minor minor brain injury and it could affect them in significant ways and on the other end somebody could have a brain that looks completely damaged in every way and they could still go on to function completely normally and doctors don't know why and it's just one of those fascinating things about our bodies so they told us um to expect the worst but they tried to give us a little bit of hope you know that infant brains have a lot of ability to show plasticity meaning that they can change and they can create new pathways in areas that were damaged and so they tell you that to give you that hope but then most parents who have been on a journey similar to ours it creates this obsession mm-hmm. where you're just analyzing every single thing that they do to decide is that normal or is that not normal or is their brain um 
healing or is it not healing? And just kind of really obsessing over that. And that went on for the first year um, to a really high degree. I mean, he did have early intervention. Um, he had physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, which was mostly focused on eating for him. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of professionals in, and I was just constantly picking their brains. Like, what do you think about Luca? Do you think that he's, do you think his brain is healing? Do you think things are going okay? What do you think? And I just was obsessed with it. And I didn't really get the chance to just enjoy him as a baby that first year because it was just an unhealthy obsession, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could go to work as a teacher and see some of my students and decide that there was a similarity between them and Luca and just automatically like, well, that's it. Luca is becoming this child or he's becoming this child. And it was really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's a normal part of the um grieving process that parents go through that are in situations like we were in Mm. and but after the first year things got a lot better because we had a more clear picture of who Luca was going to be at that point because he had missed milestones he had been pretty significantly delayed in nearly every milestone that you watch for in the first year and so at that point I really had to say to myself okay, like now we know, so we don't have to sit here and wonder anymore if he's going to be affected by this or not. We know he's being affected. So instead of worrying about if he's going to be normal or or searching for this normalcy, like now we just need to help him to become the best version of Luca that he can be. And Mm. so that first year was a big turning point. Mm. And I've heard that resonated with other people in the community too, just because Either at that point you see, okay, well, my child's doing pretty great. Like, they've hit their milestones. Things are going well. They can be more hopeful about how their brain is healing or processing the injury. Or it can look more like Luca where we're seeing, okay, you know, this is real. This is happening. And um, so I think that that first year was really challenging. But once we got through that, we kind of turned over a new leaf and things really improved for our family at that point. That's amazing. That is amazing. And and I don't like to ask the question, you know, what would you have done differently? Because obviously the path that you went down got you to where you are now, to this new place of managing expectations and being grateful for where he is at and celebrating the inch stones and, and not overanalyzing. But if you are talking to somebody who's going through this, they're in the early stages and you have already walked this path, what would you tell that mom who is in the overanalyzing phase, who is hyper-concerned with what if my kid never talks? What if my child never walks? And that is their literal worst fear. What would you say to that, Mom? And I would say that I know you're going to do that, even if I tell you not to do that. Okay. (laughs) But try not not to let yourself live there. You know, Mm. you can go to that place and you can do that sometimes. You have to pull yourself out of it because if you live in that mindset for too long, you're going to look back and really regret that and wish that you hadn't done that. And I think I would also say compare your child to themselves. So don't compare your child to all of these other people that you see or all these other children because I did that a lot. I um, 
there were several people that I followed, like, on Instagram, or I had lots, actually, a lot of close friends who had babies at the same time as I had Luca, and I was comparing to them, and always, um, you know, texting my friends, like, oh, is your baby doing this yet, or does your baby do this, is this normal, and I wish that I had just compared Luca to Luca, and said, wow, you know what, three months ago, Luca couldn't even swallow liquids without it going directly into his lungs. And now he's able to drink his milk from a bottle, and we don't have to worry that that liquid's going into his lungs. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's not normal or a typical milestone that other babies have to meet, but I wish that I would have looked at it like, wow, he, that is a huge milestone that he's accomplished, and it's not the norm, but it's amazing for him, you mm-hmm. know. And now I'm so much better at doing that, but I wish that I had that skill in that first year because I think it would have, given me more hope and it would have given Luca more encouragement too Mm. you know for him to see or for us to be cheering him on for the progress that he had made rather than being so worried about the progress that he hadn't made yeah I think that is such wise advice and even the fact that it only took you a year to really start to to enter that new mindset that's still pretty quick in terms of how I would view it. Um, And you have so many years left of being able to live in that new, healthier mindset that is more productive and probably more joyful and everything like that. I think that's really commendable. Even if you, you know, wish you would have been a little bit, you know, different, you know, we all, we all think that about on different aspects of, of our lives. And what I'm hearing you say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That first year of being a mom for everyone is hard, especially when it's your first child. Yes. Like Luca was for us. And I think that all moms, regardless of the circumstances surrounding their child, just have to give themselves grace in that first year and know that they're going to make so many mistakes and things are not going to be how you pictured it. You know, you probably had like your Pinterest story of how that first year of motherhood was going to look. And it's okay that it didn't look like that. And that is a learning experience that we can just take and grow and it helps us to be better moms along the way. Aren't you just loving this story of Jessica's motherhood journey? She is so amazing. But I want to interrupt just one last time to thank our show sponsor, RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar, and they even have RX Bars for kids. You may know RX Bar because it's the one with all of the ingredients listed out on the label. That's the one. You can feel so good about handing your kids these bars because of all the preservative-free, nutrient-rich ingredients that will leave you with such an easy option to throw in your purse for snack time, a breakfast on the go, in your beach bag. This is the perfect snack for summer. RX Bar Kids comes in three flavors, chocolate chip, apple cinnamon raisin, and berry blast. Jackson loves the chocolate chip as evidenced by the chocolate all around his face. My kids are loving RX Bars and I am loving that they have something healthy to put in their lunchbox. That is for sure. You can find RX Bars at Target stores or for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com EMP and enter code EMP at checkout. That's rxbar.com EMP and enter promo code EMP at checkout. Thank you so much, RX Bar, for sponsoring this show. And let's get back to the rest of my conversation with the extraordinary Jessica. Well, and I think what doctors tell you is the worst case scenario, your child not walking, talking, you know, breathing on their own, whatever the situation is, as a mom, you have to kind of re-center your focus around 
what do you really want for your child? Is them not walking really the worst thing? Yes, we want our child to be as healthy as possible and be able to run with other kids and everything. But if they don't, is that truly the worst? Is it? Is your perspective of viewing that and, and conveying that message of them being less than because they're in a wheelchair or they have a walker, that's worse. That's the worst, right? But celebrating them and their abilities, whatever they may be, and recognizing they're here on this earth for a reason. They have value. They have something to contribute. And they will progress in their own time. And Luca will be the Luca that he was meant to be when we when we celebrate him for who he is and how God made him, not just, you know, textbook hitting certain milestones, right? Absolutely. I And I think that that's so important for any mom or any person, whether they're in a situation like ours or not. Mm-hmm. This idea of normalcy that we've created is so unhealthy. The fact that we think that every baby, you know, these milestones were just developed as a really loose guideline just to see, just to be sure, you know, that a baby didn't have anything obviously going on with them cognitively. Like, they were really created for kids like Luca, I think. So we have taken this sense of normalcy and just turned it into such a crazy thing where we, all we want for our kids is normalcy. All we want is for them to meet these milestones on time and to be normal and to walk like normal and to talk like normal. But we don't really want that, right? Like, we, <laughs> what we really want is for our children to be who they are and have personalities and have different things to contribute to society and to their world. And if we really wanted them to all be normal and to develop at the same time on the same curve and all look the same and act the same and talk the same, that wouldn't be any fun. No. So I think that we all have to let go of that idea that we just want our kids to be normal because mm-hmm. we don't. And what is normal? You know, Luca is normal to me. He's our normal and he kind of sets the bar for that for us Mm. and if he was like every other child or if he did develop at the same rate or he did do things that way then our lives would be totally different and so much less fulfilling and he this is what he has to offer to the world you know this is just normal and that's okay oh yes there are so many moms that need to hear that even like you said moms of typical children you know like whether it's pushing your child to get straight A's or to be the soccer star or to just be nicer or be happy or don't yeah. be grumpy. When we do, when we are forcing them just to conform in, in any type of behavior or personality trait, we're robbing the world of, of their little light. We really are. Yes. We really are. Yeah. And so as a teacher, you had all of this background knowledge of children with special needs. And then you became a mom to a precious boy who has needs as well. How did your perspective change once you had your own child and you are striving to meet his needs and you're learning about parenting and children in a whole new way? Did your perspective shift at all? Yes. I I can't even, it's such a crazy thing because at first, when I had Luca and I, we, we found out about his brain injury and things became clear that he was going to have a disability, I really felt like this was just some sick joke. Like, mm-hmm. whose idea of funny was this? Because I 
didn't, I didn't go to school to learn how to be a parent of a child with a disability. I went to school to learn how to be a teacher. And I had this idea that this is just such a mean, cool curse or trick. Mm. And I quickly realized that that was not the case at all, that nobody could be more prepared for this than me. Like, nobody could know better what to do than me and I had to embrace that because for a while I really fought it I fought it off I said I'm not his teacher I don't want to be a teacher I'm his mom I'm not his teacher but when I embraced that and said you know what like you need to buck up and realize like this is what you are meant to do all of those years all of that time in school sitting in the classroom learning about kids with disabilities and learning behavior strategies and learning instructional strategies and learning that that wasn't for my career like Mm. it wasn't that was to get me to where I am today to prepare me to be his mom and I don't want to sound like you know too hyperbolic in that but I really believe that now I mean I really can see how every task that I took in my life led me to being prepared to be his mom Mm. and so once I embraced that it was like okay, like now we can get started and now we can start doing things. And in addition to that, as a teacher, I, the, my um, viewpoint of the parents of the students that I was working with just took a completely different turn. Like I really was able to sit at the table with them and see life from their perspective, whereas I couldn't do that before. Mm. I didn't know all of the grief that they had gone through. I didn't know the suffering and the fear and the anxiety that they were dealing with on a daily basis until I had Luca. And so I'm so much, I'm in such a better position to be able to relate to them, um, to advocate for them and for their children because, you know, in these school meetings, not a, nobody else understands that. And so I think that it's really important I also see my role now as being more of an advocate for parents, too, mm. in that situation. So it changed my, my career, and it, so having that preparation and that background was a good, solid base, but now I think having Luca is really, like, where it's changed and where it's, where it's shifted. Yes, I think that is such a gift to parents because I would imagine before you have that perspective of having a child and walking that road that you have, walking into an IEP meeting and saying, okay, these are our goals. These are the check boxes we need to check, but not taking into account the family dynamic, the sleepless nights, their their primary concerns about them even swallowing, um, you know, diff- whatever is really pressing on their heart, not just what's listed on the paper. That's that's a big difference. That's a big difference. And so having someone compassionate and wanting both sets of goals and understanding both sides, the the logistics and the emotions, pairing those together, you can just walk that road with such more confidence and peace, I would imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, teachers, special education teachers are so kind and they're so caring. And that their passion is really with the kids, which is great. That's what we want. We want them to be there for our kids. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think in that, the parents kind of get the short end of the stick because special ed teachers say things like, oh, you know, their parents probably just let them do whatever they want at home. Or their parents, sometimes right. if a really strong mom comes in who's a really good advocate for their child, you know, the other people in the room will kind of roll their eyes like, oh, what is she doing? She doesn't know anything, you know. Right. And 
I think that now I'm able to look at that in a completely different way and know that the Yandis can go through the ringer and they will literally do anything for their child. And now when a mom comes in who's this strong advocate, I'm like, yes, this is what you should be doing. And don't let anybody in this room tell you that you shouldn't be doing that. And don't let anybody in this room tell you that you're not doing everything that you can for your child because I know that you are. Mm-hmm. Like even even they, they don't have a choice, but they do their best for their kids, and I truly believe that. And so I think just having that knowledge has, has given me such tremendous growth as a mom and a teacher and just like a human being, you know, mm-hmm. just knowing knowing what they go through and being able to relate to that is huge. Yeah. Oh, totally. And as somebody who does not have a child with special needs, how can I be of more support to somebody like you? If I know you're prepping for an IEP meeting, if I know that you are exhausted and you've had tons of appointments and the other children, you know, you feel like you are not paying as much attention to them as you would like to. I want to step in and be your friend. I want to support you, and sometimes I don't know how. Can you give me some actionable things that I can do to step in? Absolutely. I think one thing that um, moms of kids with disabilities really need to know, first and foremost, is just that they are seen. Mm -hmm. Like, I see you. I see what you're doing for your child every day. I know how hard it is. I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know because you don't live it, but you know, and you see it, and you know that they have that they have sleepless nights, and you know that they're worried about going into public with their child because it can be so stressful. Mm-hmm. And just letting them know that they are seen for that and respected for that is so life-giving for mm-hmm. a mom like me, just to know that somebody sees that effort that's being put in. Um, another thing that is hugely helpful and also difficult is when people offer to help with our kids. So, you know, if somebody offers to watch Luca, that is like such an amazing thing because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to find people who are willing to care for Luca. And even if somebody just says like, hey, I've got 30 minutes, like I'll hang out with Luca and you can go grab a coffee or you can go just do something for 30 minutes and just give you that break and I can handle anything for 30 minutes like Luca could be as hard as he wants to be but I can get through that you know and just giving giving that reassurance is huge I mean that is such a great way to be a friend to a mom like me and um I think the fine the last thing that I can think of would be just to let moms like me know that you accept their child you know, that you are going to work to create a culture in your own home or in your own life where our children are respected, where they're seen as, you know, contributing members to our communities, and that you want to advocate for them too, like that you believe in that purpose as well. Mm -hmm. I think that those things are hugely powerful for moms like me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yes. I figured and all this. Like you want to do that. It's, yeah. so, it's so awesome. Yeah. And I really do. And I just don't. It's kind of like if there's a death in the family and you don't know what to say, sometimes you end up saying nothing. 
And that's truly the wrong thing. And so it's like you don't know how to reach out or you feel inadequate and inept to, you know, help and, or babysit or something. But you're right. 30 minutes? Like I can I can do 30 minutes. You just show me what to do and, what you know, and I can do that. I can do that. And just ask, right? Yeah. Like if I asked you like, you know, can I – would it be helpful if I came over for 30 minutes so you could go on a walk or go do whatever you want? Yes. Just ask. Yes. And do you, do you know what is just to even deepen that, like – People will say things to us a lot, like, hey, I'll watch Zuka anytime. Like, right. they kind of put out a standing offer. And to us, that's really kind. But, but when are you going to go call them up? Yeah. So <laughs> what's really helpful is we have um, an, an amazing family friend who's like a mentor to me who will send me a text and say, hey, um, she's actually doing this tonight. She texted me and said, I can watch Zuka from 4.30 to 8 o'clock tonight. Bring him over. Wow. And it's like, okay, you know, that's an offer we can't refuse. But if it's just a standing kind of offer, it's really uncomfortable for us to actually call someone and say, hey, I know you said you could watch Luca anytime, but could you do it tonight? You know, it's, right. it's not comfortable, but if you set a time that you know you're available, that you have that time and just offering that to them, I mean, that is huge because it doesn't make them feel um, like they're imposing on you. Yeah. It makes them feel like you really want to do it and you really have that time. And so it's so much easier to say yes. And they really need to be able to say yes, you know. That's a great we live for those texts. That's a great it. tip. So awesome. Yes, if you know that you have two hours in the free for free morning for two hours, yeah, shoot that text and be like, I'm I'm just hanging out. Bring them over. Or I can yes. come to you. Yes. Yeah, those are great yes. insights. And so Everyone should follow along on Instagram at Skip to My Luca. I'm going to tag everything um, on the show notes at extraordinarymomspodcast.com because daily, I don't know how you have the time for this. This is like baffling to me, but you are so specific with covering content almost every single day with tips and strategies and actual dialogue and fill in the blanks with how we can address certain behavioral issues. And it doesn't just apply to children with special needs. It's helpful to open your mind to that frame of thinking, but I've been able to apply each and every thing that you have said to my kids too. And and even the things that are more specific to children with special needs, it helps me to educate them on, okay, this is the language we have at the park when we see a friend in a wheelchair we don't go for a ride in their wheelchair. This this is what we do. This is what we don't do. It has been so eye-opening to me, Jessica. So good. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. You know, it's funny that you say that it's, that it's not just for kids with disabilities, but, you know, I just kind of fell into that because mm. I had been doing a story one time, and I got all these messages about, hey, I noticed um, the way that you were talking to Luca, like you were saying these certain things, and... I was just wondering about that. I was curious about that. And so I kind of shared, you know, um, this positive strategy that we use with Luca where just burying our praise is what it's called, buried praise. Okay. So we don't just always say, good job, good job, good job. We change it up and say, that's so awesome. You did such a great job eating that fruit snack or whatever. And people notice that. And they it was and these people don't have kids with disabilities. And so that's kind of what opened me to sharing this stuff because, yeah, I do use it with, my students and I use it with Luca but I also use it with my daughter who doesn't have a disability and what and other teachers um you know general education teachers it's been a really big trend lately that they see what special ed teachers are doing in their classrooms for behavior and they're saying wait a minute like this can work with all kids and so special ed has really become 
a good platform for behavior management strategies that are now being used across the board. So even though we have this specific training, it's just because kids with disabilities tend to have more difficult behaviors, but these strategies can work for anyone, and they're just good strategies for kids no matter what. Yeah, I agree. I've been talking a lot on my feed about positive parenting. I went to a workshop recently, and it really is working so well, um, what I've learned from Ralphie at Simply On Purpose. But then a lot of parents write back saying, but that won't work for my child because such and such, or they have this need or that need um, or this disability. But I think what shifts is kind of the expectation and what we're praising them for. But the, but the platform of positive parenting and positive reinforcement over criticizing, over nagging them into a certain behavior, the principles still apply. So what you're saying and what Ralphie's saying, it's all the same. It's just a matter of he is praised positively when he successfully, he being Luca, does something whereas another four-year-old might be praised differently for you know tying their shoe successfully or something. You just have to manage yeah. those expectations. How, what would you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, you have to not take anything that Ralphie or I say as, like, so specific because we do give, like, these very specific examples, like, just to give you that example. Mm -hmm. But really thinking about it in terms of your own child and how could you adapt that to them and um, just seeing that it would be a little bit different. But the whole idea of just being a positive parent can apply to everyone you know it doesn't matter who they are what they are it's just and not only that but not only the benefit for your child but the benefit for you as a mom is huge right because now you don't feel like you're constantly I mean I always say in my class like I bet these kids just get so tired of hearing my voice all day long just the same voice in their ear. It's no wonder that they don't want to listen to every single thing I say. Mm. And it's even worse on those bad days when you really do feel like you're just nagging and nagging and just constantly trying to ask your kids to do something other than what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So when you make that shift to being a more positive parent and using these strategies, the way that you feel is so much better. Like you just feel more confident and you feel less annoying. You feel (laughs) like you're actually being effective when you give that first direction so that you don't have to keep repeating yourself over and over and over again. So yes. It's really empowering. I think that um, people should just try mm-hmm. and they'll probably be surprised. Yes. Like, even if they think this won't work for me, just give it one day or one hour even to just try one strategy. You don't have to try everything. You don't have right. to make a whole turnaround in a day. Just try one thing and then reflect on that and say, did that work for me? Did I feel better? Did my child feel better? And I'm pretty sure your answer will be yes. I really believe that it will be. I believe that too. It is so much more fun and joyful to be a positive yes. parent. I don't like feeling at the end of my day or even at the end of my hour when I've lost my patience. And yes, they may have done what I wanted them to do in the end. But like our relationship feels a little bit jaded and a little bit askew when I have not talked to them respectfully and then they've talked to me not respectfully because they can only rise to the level of behavior that I show them, you know? And yes. Isn't that funny? That's such a huge realization that I've gotten so much feedback from moms. It's like, what, how did I miss this? Like, how did I miss this along the way that I can't thank my kid because they hit someone else. 
Jessica. And when we mess up, showing them how to come back too, right? It doesn't yes. mean that we're going to do it perfectly all the time and that we definitely shouldn't expect them to do it perfectly all the time. But how do we bounce back from a mistake? How do we problem solve? How do we negotiate when we want something and it's not going our way? How do we share better? You know, we're teaching them not just perfect behavior and expected behavior. We're, we're teaching them problem solving and just real life actualizing all of these principles real life and i think a big uh, something that i talked about the other day was um all of these moms have been i had this influx of moms saying i've just been doing such a bad job as a mom i've just been yelling at my kids so much i've been doing all these things and i don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and i feel like the first thing that, that i that you should do is show them is let them know that you know you've been doing it wrong Uh, and that you're sorry Mm -hmm. and that you're going to try again to do better don't just pretend like that never happened I think it's okay to say to your kids you know what I know that I was yelling at you a lot last week and that's not the right thing to do because when I'm yelling at you I'm not respecting you and that's not who I want to be as a mom and I'm sorry for that and I'm going to try to do better in the future Mm -hmm. and Owning that, owning that you make mistakes, I mean, there's a million things that your child can learn from that. They can learn that it's okay not to be perfect. They can learn that mom makes mistakes too, and that mom's going to forgive you when you make a mistake, and that mom is able to say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. Like, those are all such good examples of things that you we want our kids to learn. So it's okay to say sorry. It's good. You shouldn't say sorry to your kids when you feel like you've done something wrong. And I think that's a great place to start, you know, mm-hmm. saying, I know I've been doing something not the best way in the past, so I'm sorry for that. I hope that you'll forgive me, and here's what we're going to do moving forward. And I think it's a good spot to shift that in your home and to start making those changes. Yes, Jessica, you're my soul sister. Yes, I could not agree more. And for the mom that DM'd me the other day and was, you know, saying all of the trouble she's having and she doesn't know what to do, I said, well, what are some of the behaviors you're seeing? And maybe we can break it down. And, you know, she wrote back with, you know, a list of 10 behaviors that, which, I mean, any of us can come up with 10 behaviors we were working on. Start with one. I said, pick one. Pick one that is really just infiltrating your home. What if you fix the one? Because yep. when, when you work on the one and you work towards a better way in that one, it's a domino effect. It really is. And then the next one that you pick will be a little bit easier to address because they know the routine of what's working for our family. How can we all work together towards this common goal of being more loving and being more respectful and being more patient? All of these things that are really just a lifelong pursuit and we can't expect our six-year-old to do that perfectly. Yeah. And along with that, so moms say that too. And because I am 
specific and I share content really frequently. Sometimes people say, I feel overwhelmed. Like, I can't do all of this. Mm -hmm. I can't make all these changes right away. And a big thing with that, too, is so you can pick one behavior or one thing in your home that is really causing a lot of chaos in your home. And then you can pick one strategy, one Mm -hmm. positive parenting strategy that you've learned and just try that one thing. Yes. You don't have to do it all. You can just say, I my one thing that I'm going to do today to address this behavior is I'm going to give positive directions. You know, I'm going to give my directions stated positively instead of negatively. And that's my goal. Mm-hmm. And if you can just work on that one thing for a day, a week, a month, however long it takes until you feel like you've mastered that skill, then you can move on to picking up different things. But I don't expect anybody to make a full turnaround in their home to address every single behavior and use every single strategy that I teach in one day because that would be overwhelming and unrealistic. So start start small, and you'll see those changes, and it will motivate you to even take on a little bit more, I think. I believe that too. I believe that too. Jessica, you are so extraordinary and has give, you've given us so much food for thought. I loved hearing about your journey. I wish we had gotten more into the questions you're asked, but maybe you can come back on to to address individual questions and additional principles um, on a different episode. But I just want to thank you for taking the time to share. Where can people find you online again? Awesome. So my Instagram account is called Skip to My Luca. And my blog is skiptomyluca.com, and those are my big places. I'm mostly on Instagram, you know. Yep, <laughs> I spend yep. a lot of time there. So that's the best spot to find me. Perfect, perfect. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, what would I tell my pre-motherhood self? That is such a good question. And I think that there's so many things that I tell myself, but if I could focus on one thing, it would be telling myself that you can't run from your fate. You can't run from this. This is who you are. And stop obsessing over being normal and wanting normal for your life and for your kid's life. Mm. Just embrace embrace what comes and let it come. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Jessica. I have no doubt that you are perfectly equipped for your sweet Luca. And we didn't even talk about cute Poppy. They'll have to go over to your Instagram to see Poppy. <laughs> I know. So Please cute. come see Poppy because we don't want Poppy to be left out. Exactly. She is, awesome. she is just as amazing as Luca is. That is for sure. And I... That would be a whole separate episode talking about siblings because I think a lot of parents of children with a disability feel like the other siblings get slighted or that's their fear. But really... Yes. Once you've walked the walk for any length of time, parents really begin to see the beauty and the lessons and the richness and the depth that come from that exposure for the siblings to having a child and developing that compassion from an early age. Um, I think it's beautiful. So we could talk more about that too. <laughs> yes, we, I think we really should because I get that a lot. And yeah. Even with non-disabled siblings, just yes. siblings in general, how yes. do you manage it? I okay. love it. Come back, come back, you're the best. I want to, thank you. Okay, Jessica's coming back. Never fear. We are going to have a place for you to come to have your questions answered. Jessica is going to answer some of the listener questions. So if you have a listener question, follow me on Instagram at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can leave a comment. You can DM me. 
but let me know the questions that you have specifically in terms of behavior in general or if you have questions in terms of behavior for your child with special needs or procedures or incentives or positive parenting, any questions you have for Jessica, she's going to come back on another episode and we're going to do a series over the summer to have her address some of those questions and help us all out. Thank you, Jessica, so much for coming on the show today. What a rich conversation. So much food for thought. You can go over to the website at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com to see pictures of Jessica and her beautiful, beautiful family. Check out Luca's piercing eyes and Poppy's cute pigtails. (laughs) You're not going to want to miss it. And links to everywhere you can meet up with Jessica, that's all on there as well in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.